0: And welcome to the Company Watch On The Spot podcast. I'm Jo Kettner, CEO of Company Watch, and I'm joined by Nick Hood, financial and commercial risk analyst. Welcome,
1: Nick. Good morning.
0: We're recording today's episode in the morning of Friday, the 4th of November. And I think really there can be no other topic this week than the Monetary Policy Committee report and minutes that was published um, yesterday, the 3rd. Although it's, it's actually worth saying that the meeting was held on Wednesday the second. And there was lots of talk about the Fed rising their rates and putting Bank of England under pressure. But of course, actually, the Bank of England had already met by by that point. Um, and you can see that in the report that they're they're anticipating what the Fed will do. So they're not actually being um, being led by what the, the US had had done. So I mean it's an unrepentantly grim, miserable report, isn't it, Nick? I mean, there's we we've looked and we can't really find any bright side um, to this.
1: Uh, well I certainly couldn't I mean I have to say for someone so relentlessly glass half full as Bailey to be issuing such a glass nearly empty statement is really I mean they they must have had to t- take him away and sort of hose him down and um, and then send him out to uh, to bat just awful I mean when you look at it I mean I picked out you got other points but I picked out six areas none of which are particularly pretty i mean the first one is the one that's getting a lot of media coverage which is that the recession will now be the longest in history not the deepest but the longest through to the end of um the uh, second the first half of 2024 so two full years mm. of recession then if you turn and you look at it, uh, unemployment i mean that seems to have gone largely under the radar in the media coverage since yesterday morning. But they're talking about um, the current rate of 3.9%, which, to be fair, is lower than I think most of us expected it might be.
0: Yeah. And it's lowest level, I think they're saying, since 1974. So really historic, still that historic low. And we always say this, and I do think it's worth saying once again, in the bleak days of 2020, we were really worried that employment would just go off the scale and you know whatever the government the government support schemes that they put in place saved a lot of jobs but actually what's what's now happening is that we've got too much employment you know this is what's contributing isn't it to our inflation wage spirals and, and so on
1: well, well that's true but of course you know being down at 3.9 3. is um uh i'm not sure it's as comparable <clears throat> when you think that um, far too many old geezers like me have left the have left the employment market, and um, anything between six hundred thousand and a million left it because of Brexit, and 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 the impact of the of the pandemic obviously added to that. You know when people left and then couldn't come back because of the um, immigration policies. Yeah. So that that is. Potentially an extra million people unemployed. Yeah, it's a million um... people. So, you know, and it's the misery that goes with that and the lack of ability to, um, you know, it's a lack of a, a million people leading less economically active lives, inevitably. Next one I picked up was the business investment stats um, to decline, they say, down three and a half percent in 2023 and six and a half percent in 2024 and bear in mind that is from historically low levels existing
0: yeah i don't think we've recovered even to pre-covid business investment levels have we we, this has been very
1: very low for for quite some time and in a funny sort of way that is the most important stat because that is the only as you were saying just now um, the only route to growth is business investment and if that's too low already and is going to fall further. Well
0: well business investment or cheap labour is the other way that, yes. that countries have got growth, haven't they? And that is not, you know, given, let's not go into the um the immigration right. um craziness polit- politics at, at the moment. But you know that isn't really an option um that's right. uh, that, that's open to to the government politically. And so business investment and productivity um improvements is really the way that we
1: we will get get growth. That's right. Um the next thing in the statement I pulled out the sterling to decline, I mean, marginally, um, by about 3% more by 2025. I think we'll be very lucky if it's only 3%, but hey. Um, real household income, which drives consumer spending upon which the economy is dependent, to drop a quarter of a percent this year and another one and a half percent next year, but then recovers in 24 and 25. So a grim couple of years. Inflation peaking at 11% now um, in Q422, because it would have been higher, but for the government's um, energy um, support, goes down to 5% by the end of 2023 and then down to 1.4% in 2024 and zero in 2025. Believe Again, I think we
0: would treat those with caution, those, those kind of longer term forecasts, given the Bank of England historically haven't been um, very good at predicting far into the um, to the future, have they, Nick? In,
1: in, in, indeed. But of course, you know, the, the thing to remember is down to 5% by the end of next year, but it'll still be 9.5%, so says the Bank of England, at the end of Q2, 23, and it'll still be 8% in Q3, 23. Those are big numbers. Particularly when there were rumours flying um, this morning that part of the the, um, the mini budget coming up in two weeks' time might. Oh,
0: are we going to call it? I think a fiscal statement. I think mini budget fiscal has now fact. been has been consigned oh, to the
1: dustbin. hasn't it? Yes, <laughs> after yes. Fiscal, what happened last time. Fiscal fiscal uh, event. Event. There we are. Fiscal event. Um, you know, rumours flying about a uh, which I almost didn't believe what I was reading a two percent cap on public sector pay rises. I think is, frankly... The it's st- unworkable, isn't it? Well, for, tho- for those of us with long memories and somewhat older, um, that, I suspect, would be a poll tax moment, I suspect. It's you know, just simply not not tenable. And, and we just- would
0: be in this territory of general strike type, um, yeah, yeah. or coordinated strikes, um, yes, given that yeah. the the, the, um, the train train action nurses, teachers you know, already yeah. are, are looking at, um,
1: at, at industrial yeah, I mean, action. I, I, I think that's expectation management. You know, mm. um, threaten the worst and then deliver something much more, much more palatable. So, I you know, those are six factors that I looked at, all of which um, are heading sort of over the cliff into the abyss, just really, um, r- really upsetting. And of course, we need to remember that none of this forecast and the, none of these numbers, and none of these predictions, yet reflect what is going to happen in the fiscal event on the seventeenth of November. We don't, we don't know. The bank is quite. Mm. Open is saying we don't know, and you know, we'll we'll factor it in. I mean, the the next um reading on that will be presumably what we get from the OBR.
0: Yeah, which is coming out on the 17th, I guess, isn't it? I can't remember quite the publication timetables, but I think it's published on the same day as the as the statement, um, isn't it? So that will be really interesting to see, um, to see. And they they tend to be very Detailed, you know, probably yes. more detailed in their analysis than the MPC. Although we did get a report this time, so um, yes. the Bank of England does produce a kind of quarterly, more detailed report alongside the the minutes. And I know you looked at the reports um, in much more detail than.
1: Yes, I mean for the have. You know, for the for the um, for the nerds amongst us, the um, uh, there's some wonderful stuff that comes through from uh, what is described, and uh, I'm I'm currently researching for. Presentation I'm going to give um in a couple of weeks' time, in fact, the day after the fiscal event, on the um East India Company in India in the 17th and 18th centuries. And I have to say, when I hear the Bank of England talking about reports from the bank's agents, it sort of smacks of that wonderful, um, the wonderful, wonderful, terrible era of imperial um um dominance. Anyway, so we, at the back of the MPC report, there's a lot of very interesting data that's come up from various people mm. to whom the bank speaks on a regular basis.
0: Well, that's an interesting segue into. Um the, the business lending, I think we, we yes. you know, we talked about um, business investment, and you know, very often businesses will will borrow to to invest, and we we, we we got a picture from the MPC minutes, which seemed slightly in contradiction to there was an article in the Guardian yes. earlier in the week, and these these things they're both talking about business investment and some of the some of the issues around that in in the context yes. of rising interest rates, but the the bank. Um, Lending rates to corporates, they they say in the MPC has increased um, for September. But again, according to the agents, um, they're expecting overall credit availability to worsen in Q4. Um, and there's been a contraction um, according again to the, the bank's market intelligence um, in the availability of credit to corporates in in recent weeks, particularly for borrowers who are considered risky. Yeah. Um, and there was a the the Guardian um, piece that that you um, brought to my attention, Nick, saying similar things that there is you know there 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 are issues with the rising in interest rates and yes. I think um, FSB were talking about lenders yes, I mean, like having story, extraordinary yeah,
1: research, rates. Research from um, Federation for Small Businesses, um, saying that one in five of the SMEs that they had surveyed. Um, said that when they'd been applying for finance in Q3 2022 they had failed one in five had failed to get an offer at an interest rate below
0: 11%. I mean given where we come from given bounce back loans to what 2. Yep. 2% around that kind of level and that's an, an enormous um enormous yes, and increase.
1: And, and, and of course you know the uh, you know the, the the issue here is um, you know do you do you borrow at 11%? Because if you can't pay, if you can't service it, you shouldn't be borrowing. But of course, a lot of these companies are not in a situation to have any choice. So they will, the, the, you know, a lot of them will take that money and it'll be a drag on their profitability. But more importantly, it'll be a drag on their ability to invest. Yeah. And, you know, we've already touched on the problem with declining business investment. Now, this is not all done by major multinationals, you know, building, building um, battery battery factories in the middle of of nowhere. Um, This is not what that's about all, you know, a a car production plant. There's a lot of investment comes from the grassroots, from small businesses.
0: You know, and that, that is the engine, isn't it? That is yes. that it kind of has historically been the engine of the, the UK um economy, is that kind of um small business yes. mindset, growth, you know, providing um employment and, and so on. So there is interesting, and but I think the, the, the other thing I'd just quickly point out on the, in the article is that the banking sector, you know, the quote in the in the article for the banking sector, which is um says that w- which provides a bulk of borrowing for smaller British businesses, is not yet too worried. And in September, UK finance um that's the industry lobby group. Mm-hmm. um said there remained a high degree of financial headroom across smes and lenders continue to stand ready to support businesses now that to me seems quite different from what the um the mpc is is saying yes. and you know given september was a long month with a lot of a lot of events happening in it you wonder yeah. whether maybe maybe if that was pre 23rd of september the the picture may have been may have been slightly slightly different
1: yes and there are, there, are, there are there are two other issues i think coming out of all of this this general um uncertainty about um, the availability of um, and the cost of of business credit. I mean, first of all, S&P Global Ratings published some data and and, and said that interest rates around the world have increased faster in 2022 than at any time in the past 41 years. Um, And, and, okay, we, we know interest rates are rising. The issue for smaller businesses is the pace. It's the speed at which the rules under which they're operating are changing. And it's mm. really difficult for small businesses to react that quickly. So that's one problem. Um, the, the other one that was just hinted at in that Guardian <clears throat> article, which is sort of touching on one of my um, abiding obsessions, which is the problem of the zombie company. Oh, oh, what's that wonderful phrase of John Moulton's, the army of the walking corporate dead? And you know, these are companies with negative balance sheets who which have survived because they have they're paying ultra low interest rates on borrowings. Well, that game's changed clearly in the last couple of months or so. And and I harked back when, when I saw that in the article, I harked back to some research I did in June this year, which identified that there were a quarter of a million zombie companies in the UK. I did this through Company Watch, of course. A um, quarter million zombies with um, negative balance sheets, and they had combined debts, um, borrowings, mm-hmm. of, bi- of a billion between them, and total overall negative net worth of three hundred million. And the three hundred million is the is the theoretical amount that the lending and the creditor communities are exposed to if these if these businesses fail, and. That then leads on to one more point um, before I disappear down my own rabbit hole here. And and that is quite a lot of the bigger zombies are private equity funding structures, you know, funded by debt, not by equity. Mm -hmm. We all understand that. We all understand that in theory, that is OK when the business, the underlying business is performing, is throwing off cash so the debt can be serviced or it's feeding into a possible exit route that will repay the debt. Absolutely fine. No problem. However, quite a lot of talk about um, recently with the rising uh, interest rates about what that's doing to the private equity community and their willingness to invest. And equally, if if it's affecting their willingness to invest, it may drive them. To disinvest mm-hmm. and to redeploy could, elsewhere. Yeah, they could redeploy the money elsewhere to get a better return, um, a less risky mm. return. And the underlying business in this situation may not be in in any trouble. It may just be that it's no longer flavour of the month for the owner, you know, the private equity owner. Which then means it's on the market. Private private equity owner will always get its money back yeah. in these scenarios because that's how these structures work. So the, the issue is, are we going to have more of these zombies failing than we would expect necessarily, A, because of rising interest rates, but B, because their owners are less willing to support them, even if they're performing tolerably well?
0: Yeah, and again, it's context, isn't it? The context, everything, and we we talk about this so often. But looking at individual risks, yes. you know, it's really the the key in understanding, you know, the ownership and the the dynamics, the kind of financial dynamics, as best you as best you can. You know, it's always easy to to get. The kind of information from the company themselves, but actually having having the the data in front of you and being able to to try and kind of piece together and ask questions about, um, you know, where where a particular company fits within a, a bigger structure is always really a, a useful exercise to to do for your for your riskier kind yes. of suppliers or, or customers. And, you know, I acknowledge that, that this is not going to be something that you could do over a, portfolios of hundreds and hundreds of companies, but you know, understanding the kind of critical critical risks that you're exposed to is really the, um, the, the key thing to do in, in these times which you know as we've as we found are so um, uncertain and, and things yes. can change change very, very rapidly. Nick, was there anything else? I think we've covered most of our um, points, didn't we? On the, well,
1: you have been on the watching NPC. the economic crime bill.
0: Yes, every, every every week for the last few weeks, we've been we've had that on our list of things to talk about, and it's um, and it's dropped off. Um, it dropped off at the end. I will mention this, and again, our time is kind of running out, but it is worth just um, reminding people that the new economic crime and corporate transparency bill, twenty twenty two, which I think is the full title of it has gone through its second reading um, in the comments. It's now in its committee stage. And there are some really interesting um, committee sessions that I spent quite a lot of time on Monday uh, watching, watching through quite a few familiar faces um, there from, um, from corporate uh, transparency organizations. Um, Let's do a let's do a separate episode when we when all that's happened and we've got the information. We will do a proper proper look at that. Okay. I think the key message that I was um, taking so far is that the actual the bill that it stands, and there there are always going to be um, people who say, oh, you could go much further, and you know you need to close every loophole. The consensus really is that this is a good solid step in the right direction. And we we you know we talked about this before, particularly around ID verification for um, directors and PSCs big open question about shareholders and maybe, yep. you know, at the current PSC level, which is 25%, lots of people saying that that should be brought down perhaps 5% or 10% or somewhere in that region to do the ID verification for shareholders. Um, but really the message is um, enforcement and being funding, funding the enforcement to ensure that actually there is, um, you know, on paper, you can have the best laws in the in the world, but if you actually don't do anything um, to enforce those and people see that, you know, you can behave in ways that are not not correct and, and there are no consequences. That's a really the big, um, the big issue. So it'll be interesting. And, and so I think that there's, there's evidence that, that's been gathered, lots of, um, of discussions, and then we'll start getting some, um, some potential amendments to the bill on the basis of that. So again, timetable wise who knows (laughs) these days i think there is there does seem to be a willingness to try and get um try and get this through parliament sooner rather than later and then of course there's quite a lot of transformation in companies house that needs to happen so i would think you know if we're expecting really any real change to happen much before 2024 i think that would be optimistic um but you know we have to start somewhere and this is long long overdue so it's to be to be welcomed good so we will we will come back um, to that, Nick. Thank you so much. We will be back, obviously, with the OBR um, messaging when it when it comes out. And that will be the next the next big thing um, to watch for that we know so far. And hopefully, we've got a fairly calm calm week ahead with lots of speculation in the press about what's um, what Jeremy Hunt's going to do. So I think we, I'd expect to see quite a lot of um, what do you call it kite flying? Is the um, yes. is the phrase to to see to see how things land, but. Thanks so much, Nick, as always. Pleasure.
1: Pleasure.
0: Until next time, goodbye. Bye-bye.